0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Wisdom T20 World Cup Daily Podcast. What a day we've had to round out the Super 12s. Uh, Staff could crash out of the World Cup from a position of strength and Pakistan come back from the dead to qualify from the semis, and Sirikin Mouyadav is absurd. I feel like we might have heard these storylines before, uh, but let's go over it again anyway. With me to discuss all that is Cam Ponsonby and Dan Senior. Uh, let's start with that first game, because that was probably the most remarkable result of the, fr- of the three. Uh, Cam, how have South Africa thrown this one away? I mean, they needed to win one of the last two. They had Pakistan 48 for four in that game on, what was it, Thursday? And then, obviously, it's yeah. Netherlands they'd be significant favourites. See, the list of South African World Cup unlikely exits is long, and I don't want to use the c word, uh, but this is right up there, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I don't. It, two get two games ago, less
0: than a week ago, they were like the favourites
1: to win the competition. They'd kind of put away Bangladesh, Russo had scored that hundred. beat be India. Everyone was like, these are the boys. Like they had the pace attack, and they had the batter to kind of combat the tournament. And yeah, so C words obviously, they are choke phenomenon, and it is they 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 had they had a game to beat the Netherlands to get through to the next round, and they've somehow, they've somehow, but they just had. I remember there's a phrase that a mate of mine uses where he always just says like good teams get it done. Like as soon if there's something tricky, good teams get it done. So they needed one sixty or one fifty nine to to qualify, and that's a kind of like a an itchy bum score where you're like, well, we actually need to make sure we pay attention here and get it. Uh And they failed. They failed quite dramatically in the end. Um So, I, but one of the things about this is it's such a volatile competition. I don't know if this, this means they're a bad team. It was two weeks, two, a week ago, we said they were a really good team and that they were going to win the whole competition. So does this mean they're now a bad team or they just had a bad day? uh I'm not really sure but it's pretty uh, catastrophic for them. Well, home time.
0: Yeah, because it is, I guess when you look down the scorecard, you kind of see how it happens in terms of nerves coming to play. But then you look at the names and like how have they been kept so quiet in this game? Like Dakot, Grusso, Marker and Miller. That is just an incredible four players having your top five. But they all kind of got set and then got out, which is, I think, how you can really like almost sleepwalk into getting beaten in this sort of contest. because the no, way- Absolutely.
1: With a, with a score of one hundred and sixty, where you're needing eight, it's not it's not an excessive run rate. But if everyone's taking fifteen balls to get fifteen, all of a sudden your lower order players are gonna have to go at tens basically. Um, and yeah, yeah, the, the awkward thing about it is is I think Temba Boomer at the top of the order at the moment. Now he's had he's had he's had a bad competition. He played, played pretty well against Pakistan, which was a relief basically because he was kind of him and Aaron Finch were kind of the two two boys at the top of the order who were really, really struggling. And it's uncomfortable. Normally, if you're kind of top three, everyone wants to bat in the top three, but it's also a bit of a get out gel free card in that you could throw your hands through the ball and pierce the field and get a load of boundaries. That's not been the case this World Cup. So if you were struggling at the top of the order, that frailty was then exposed even further. And so we, the boomer said after the game, he said, I don't want to make any decisions on this captaincy. Uh, I don't want to make any emotional decision." with his phrase. But... Yeah, I, I'd be amazed if, if he if he carried on. I, like it's they've lost to, they've lost to the Netherlands. They've never lost to the Netherlands ever, and they've lost to it now. when all they need to do to win, they all of a sudden they were two games away from winning the World Cup, and you're kind of, you're so close to glory, and you kind of fall flat on your face. It's not great.
0: Um, I actually thought of a good name for this game. It only really refers to two players, but you can call it the the, the Derby, the D-E Derby. Wow. You know? Yeah. Um, I don't know if I understand that first one. <laughs> so with Bazaline and Quinton de Kock basically that's the joke uh, they've all got that bit in their name um, oh, yeah. anyway let's, uh, it's always difficult to know how much to talk with these sorts of games uh, when there is a big upset how much to focus on the team that loses it and how much to talk about the team that that, that wins it and the Netherlands they won this game as much as the losses I think they were brilliant and, like they they clearly had a game plan to get up to that, that 160 total and then as we saw against Zimbabwe uh, that pace attack is just a very, very good one, isn't it, Dan?
2: Yeah, it is. Um, I'll be honest, I watched two overs of this given that it started at midnight. I woke up with about two overs to go, so I just thought I'd check the score. Went to the toilet and then put it on for the two overs. And other than that, all I've seen is a scorecard. And like the last time I was on this, I was shouting up the South African pace bowling and attack, just going and looking at it now. Parnell, eights, Rabada, 12s, Ngidi, 11s, Nokia, 2.5. Like, he was unreal. The other three got. Absolutely smashed. Um, It's just incredible to think that has happened given the position they were in against Pakistan. And I thought Maharaj hopping back for twos at the end of the innings was just really apt. I think it just summed up the predicament they found themselves in. Um, It was just like the perfect summation of the end of their tournament. You know, this left-arm spinner trying to hit big bombs, trying to run quick singles and all he can do is hop on one leg. And I think that just sums up South Africa's end to the tournament. It's just insane. But don't take... Anything away from the Netherlands, they were brilliant. Um, the difference between the, the smaller side, you would say, and the bigger sides, has tended to be the batting. So for them to be able to get up to, to 160 has been pretty incredible.
0: And that catch was something else, wasn't it, Cam? Uh role Van der Moer to get out Miller. And he, he's always been that key wicket as well in that separate line it's Actually, Yaz's has his
1: line, this. Um, I remember him saying, it was either him or his friend was saying, whenever he watches Van der Moer, he always feels like Van der Moer's playing as if he's trying to impress a girl on the boundary. He's just trying so hard, basically. And this really kind of fell into that. He's like they 30, obviously thirty-seven's not not old in the grand scheme of life, but in terms of kind of international cricket, you're getting on a bit. And it's an unbelievable catch, He's gone over his shoulder. He's turned he's turned away. It is kind of technically one of the hardest catches you can do. And he and he made it, he made it up the ground full length. He had his almost classic double fist pump raw, like testosterone fuel raw. It always reminds me of um, like Djokovic when he wins like um, major. But it was so, it was, in terms of Dan saying like he didn't see the game. Now, I don't think any, like South Africa didn't see the game. Everyone had gone, everyone just trusted that South Africa was going to win. And so it was amazing being over in Australia, just seeing different time zones on Twitter, wake up and go, what, what on earth has just happened? Like a different text message from a different friend, different like like South Africa, India would wake up, and South Africa would wake up, and the UK would wake up, and they'd all slowly go like, "Oh my God, they've done it again." And yeah, so as if you said, it, I think in terms of the Netherlands, they're batting. They're not cheat code, but they—the fact that they were able to bring Tom Cooper back in, and they, Scott Edwards, they've got that Australian influence, and Colin Ackerman's obviously a very one of their professionals. Those guys hadn't quite, well, Scott Edwards not including this phrase, but like Ackerman and Cooper hadn't quite fired for them in the way they might have hoped in this tournament. Um, and both of them go, Cooper especially struck at almost 200 for his 35 and Ackermann's gone 41 off 26. But like that makes all the difference in that game. That's the difference between the two sides and that everyone else, that, that card for the Netherlands looks exactly the same as it does for South Africa, apart from you've got two guys who've gone at above nine runs and over, which gets you to that 160. And that was just something that um, South Africa
0: couldn't can manage. And just, just lastly on South Africa, I mean, as, da- as sorry, as Cam says, it's hard to work out whether this means they're a bad team. And it probably doesn't. Uh, they just had a couple of, of bad days, I guess. But Dan, Norky's had a, a brilliant individual tournament, hasn't
2: he? Yeah, so I said to you before, I genuinely didn't realise until I was looking at some stats how well he'd done. Um, well, he's taken 11 wickets at eight and a half and a kind of a rate of under six, like out of the pace attack. You know, and Giddy was the one he was doing the business to start with as the big name. Um, it's Nokia who's just come in and proof that, you know, not that pace is everything in Australia, but it certainly plays a big part, especially against sides who aren't as well equipped to play against a high pace, you know, like the Netherlands.
1: Nokia's like the overgrown thirteen year old who's just like gone through puberty before everyone else. And it's just he's literally just too fast for people. Like Baz Dalida's had a, a horrible time this this competition competition with pace, like got hit in the face of Harris by Harris Rao. And I, I love the video after the Rau there was a clip of Ralph being like, come back stronger, mate, you'll be okay. I was like, mate, you can't. It's such a, like, it's such a, I don't like this range, it's such like an ring right? where It's like, I'm lucky, mate. Like, next time you might be able to lay a glove on me. And then he's come back out to face Nokia, and he just got pulled again. So he's either got hit in the face or in the stumps, uh, which isn't a great combination. Um, but yeah, Nokia pace, amazing. Mm. Uh,
0: just wanted to talk about why that was so important for the Netherlands today's results meant that they finished uh, uh, finished fourth, which means they qualify automatically for the next T20 World Cup. And that's a huge result for Ireland and Scotland as well, because only two teams can go through from the European qualification pathway. So if Netherlands hadn't finished fourth, it would have been between Scotland, Ireland and Netherlands. Uh, whereas now you'd say Scotland and Ireland are pretty strong favourites to to go through that. And you can see that the Netherlands really, that they, really worked out everything that needed to happen because as they were walking off the pitch uh, and Pakistan yeah. were walking onto it for that game they were sort of exchanging sort of like smiles and thumbs up with the with the Pakistan team and there was a video of Tom Cooper sort of saying to Baba Azam, like uh, make sure you win so we finish fourth obviously knowing that he'd done them a failure so that, that, that was nice um, on to that Pakistan game uh, they chased 128 against Bangladesh somewhat nervily um, similar to the sort of South Africa evaluation Cam, how, how good are this Pakistan side? I mean, that winning against Africa was obviously brilliant coming back from where they were. Uh, but how much is, if this is kind of a story of an incredible Pakistan-style comeback and how much of it is a story of a Staffing collapse and how much of it is a story of just the weirdness of T20 World Cups where a good run of form and all of a sudden you're, uh, you're into the knockouts kind of thing?
1: Yeah, I think Pakistan basically have a get-out-of-jail free card in that they have an incredible bowling attack so they're always kind of in the game no matter how far behind they're and again they lost those two first games but they lost them both in like miraculous fashion if that's a possible thing to do but they were very they're very very close to having been not four from four because of the rain or whatever they're very very close to the start of this competition two from two three into the semi-finals so i don't think it's that Surprising that they've strung together two results against Salakha and Bangladesh at the end of the game. I think, yeah, they're, they're, they're a bowling-heavy team. And that's been the story of the World Cup, is that bowling tactic we need the games out here. And so they've got this beautiful combination where they've got Shaheen bowling, like quick left arm in swings at, like at the top. You've got Harris Ralph hitting as the leader in the face. And Azeem Shah, you've got, you've got everything. And then you've got Shadab Khan as well who's your kind of maverick joker who's borrowing these quick leggies um, and able to hit the ball out of the park as well. So you put that together and you've got a team who's very capable of winning a game out of nowhere. You've also got a batting lineup that's fragile enough to lose a game out of nowhere. So it just lends itself to the volatility of, of the format and the competition. Now they're two games away. They, they, may, they might crash out against crash out in the semi-final, and we'll all carry on with our lives and be like, oh, classic Pakistan. Or they might win it, and that'll also be classic Pakistan. That's 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 the kind of the fun of it.
0: Yeah, I guess it's weird how that middle order has almost become like a strength in a way. I mean, recovering from 40 or four against South Africa with Shadab Khan playing in a brilliant innings, and then today you had, I guess, those questions over Rizwan and Babar's approach. You know, Babar scores 25 at the strike rate of 75 and Brisbane, 32 at run a ball and then so from there it's like that's a slightly nervy position to be in, you know it's going quite a lot under a run a ball through in the 12th over uh, and then it was what harrison massoud come out and just kind of ice it uh, it's quite a weird position isn't it dan for for, for like, obviously these are questions we talked about before but the difference from before is that the middle order wasn't really firing now it is firing and those two are perhaps just slightly below the form they they have been at times i guess
2: Yeah, it is firing, but it's not as if they've found this perfect formula. They're still changing things around all the time. It reminds me a little bit of like when Guardiola sets his teams up. If you play fantasy and you try and pick a defender, you don't know who's going to be playing. With Pakistan here, Nawaz has batted at three today. What, he's batted at seven and eight previously in the tournament. Masood's found himself down at five. Um, He's an opener by trade. He's batted at three and four. There's There's still no blueprint to it. Shadab Khan batted at seven. He's not faced the ball. And they've chased, you know, 130 down with two overs left. There's no blueprint. There's no no definite formula. But they're so mercurial, so maverick that it just works for them. Um, and against New Zealand, you could definitely see it happening again. Um, I think that'll be a battle of the two top orders um, and the bowlers, really, I think. But if Pakistan, I think they probably have the edge with the middle order. And if they can keep firing like this, they'll definitely have the advantage.
1: I'm desperate for Mohamed Nawaz to win the World Cup final for Pakistan against India at the MCG and just have this like perfect redemption arc. He's had such a weird, horrible tournament. Now, he lost that game here against India in just catastrophic circumstances. And he was batting at the end against Zimbabwe and they've lost again in catastrophic circumstances. He's got four of 11 and got run out here today in a game that they had to win. He's, he's not had, there's that video that came out after the first game there. Abrazan was like you're my match winner, going you know, to back you all the way, and it was really emotional, really nice. But he's trying really hard to prove that we're the wrong there, um, and I quite, I quite like him just to have a, a positive day out, basically. Because at the moment he's uh, like I, you know, we all love the sport and all wanted to be cricketers growing up. I'm not jealous of him at all at the moment. I'm like you're ha- you're having a rough time, and I'm very happy that I'm not not in your shoes basically. It's all going to change for the final next Sunday. Yeah, he's going to get Kobe out and all that. It'll be
0: amazing. The the Shaheen story is an interesting one, isn't it, Dan? Because uh obviously comes into this tournament cold, having been injured for a while, obviously a bit of weird stuff going on around that injury. And then there was that there was what, a bit of crowd footage, I think, of the the final ball in that Zimbabwe game where Shaheen was in the middle. Was running it. It wasn't quite hobbling, but it's clearly kind of like ginger running. It didn't look like he was at full fitness, and he's come back brilliantly now, hasn't he? Yeah, with the, with the running of
2: what well, I would say is, I think the amount that the whoever it was at the non-strike, however much they backed up, made him look much slower than he actually was. Like he set off so far, but that's beside the point. Yeah, Um came in with a lot of pressure on himself. Harris Ralph had taken a lot of the a lot of the mantle in the England series, and he came back in. Wasn't quite himself to start with. Um, but like in the last two games he's just turned up for his side when they needed him the most four for today, three for um against South Africa, got rid of Rousseau and Decoq right at the top, two of the most explosive batters in that side. Um and he was just a played a massive part today, four for twenty two off four. Um and he he's still not really had that opening burst, you would say like when you think of Shaheen, well, at least when I do, I think of that India spell. I think most people will um still not quite seeing that but if he's anywhere near that. Um, it'll be crucial to their chances against against New Zealand because they'll have to take early wickets and blow up on that top order to have to have
0: any chance. I think. I guess the big thing that Bangladesh will be feeling from this game is possibly a bit of frustration at the umpires again. I suppose uh, there was um uh, sort of a, a, a key moment halfway through their innings with the bat where what so Shadab had just got out, or what, what so one of their players had just got out. I can't remember which one it was, uh, but then Shakib comes in, obviously the key player. Uh, gets pinned LBW first ball, reviews it. There's a spike on ultra edge as the ball passes the bat, but the TV umpire thinks that's from bat on the ground, not from bat on ball, and gives you keep out. And he's clearly very unhappy. Uh, and then, you know, got, it, it, in the chase, he was also unhappy at something else, not being able to review an LBW, being told he'd run out of time, throws his hat on the ground, like with the umpires. Uh, but uh, as much as you don't like to focus on umpire decisions as individual thing that was a big moment Cam how did you see it? Well, I, I just don't think he was out like I, I
1: didn't I didn't understand I kind of had the game on and I saw the replay and saw the ball. you can see the ball move off the bat and I went oh he's hit that and I kind of carried on about my day and I, they were like okay can we go through to ball tracking please I was like what but like, no he's hit the ball uh, I've since seen something on Twitter which means it's obviously true um, that basically because of where the spike is in terms of the like the snicker thing, it was on the right hand side, which means it's actually the frame before what you're seeing in your eyes, and so actually, we're all idiots. And he had actually missed the ball. Um, look, that person could be like working for NASA and really smart, or they might just be a random, I just made that up. But it's made me doubt myself whether I was actually right, and maybe, maybe Shakib was um correctly given out. I think there's something interesting in that we're kind of moving towards there's an increasing debate about having like specialist TV umpires. The guy who was on, who was, who was, the TV umpire was Langton Zell, who was the standing umpire in South Africa, Netherlands, about 45 minutes earlier. So he's had to get changed, have a shower, whatever, I don't know, and then he's straight into doing a completely different job with a very different set of requirements. And with the way the sport's going, is there not this kind of not need or capability to have specialists standing on-field umpires and specialists TV umpires. And it kind of reopened that can of worms again because they're, they're, they're different tasks. And yeah, but it, well, I, I'm, I'm saying here the need for specialist TV umpires because It's a very skilled job. It's something I've never done in my life, but I'd be myself enough of an expert. in that same sentence to say, in my head, it was clear that he'd hit the ball. I don't really understand how he's given out. And Shakuni a very level-headed guy; he never gets angry, so I thought he handled it very well.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Funny old tournament for Bangladesh, I guess. Uh, What kind of really scratched their way through their first three games? Absolutely smashed by South Africa. Quite nervy wins over Netherlands and Zimbabwe, and obviously had a poor record coming into this. It it was what like one, two out of twenty-one or twenty-two, I think, against full members. Going back to the start of the last World Cup, which is obviously bad, and then actually. End up pushing India really close and like I guess, quite close. Uh and if they'd won either of those, they'd be uh, uh they'd be in the semis right now, wouldn't they? So uh funny little tournament for them. Yeah, I'm not here to like gatekeep who can get
2: to semi-finals and finals, but I think it no. would have been a shame if Bangladesh had got there. Like they're so obviously probably one of the worst teams in that group. Um like it actually would have been a shame if they got through somehow because there's not really a great deal of star quality they've not really shown much um, yeah they were a bit hard done by maybe against India but I know they've pushed Pakistan close but I don't think at any point anyone would have said they deserve to get there I think they I actually think they've played so hand on heart I just thought they were they're going into the
1: tournament I went these guys are rubbish and then when they lost to South Africa I was like see I, t- I told you like, they're, they're terrible um, but then they've kind of their fast bowlers Tassi and Ahmed especially they've got a bit of pace about them and that, and that kind of came to the fore in conditions over here then against India, listen, Das played one of the best innings I've ever, I've yeah. ever seen. It was incredible. As they kind of had these moments where they kind of played above themselves and all of a sudden they they were in with a shout qualifying for the semi-finals. And so it was, it's been chaotic. There's been all this stuff going on and then it's still just the whole their whole tournament rest of the mean of their last year in that they played five teams. They beat Zimbabwe and Netherlands and they lost to the three like, bigger boys, as it were. So, in 10 years' time you'll look back and you'll go, Oh yeah, that was just Bangladesh, Bangladesh Whereas actually we were really close to having Bangladesh in the semi-finals and being Shakib or Listen Das innings combined with Task and Armored spell away from doing something very special. But I think as Danny said, like in a very, very shallow way, I just want the teams in the final to make I just want I want India to be in the final so there's hundred thousand people here basically. And that's my sole reasoning. So anything else not interested in basically
0: mm. yeah so speaking of the best innings we've ever seen uh onto the india game this was basically a dead rubber i mean india needed to top if they won they would have top the group arguably they would want to finish second i don't know it depends if they want to play to england or new zealand uh, or zimbabwe could push for fourth uh still obviously the game of the league fighting on it but that sir can we add innings was ridiculous wasn't it dan and in a way I've never really seen before. Like, obviously we've seen him play some absurd shots and play some very good innings. But the way in this innings he was basically just like, I am going to hit everything over fine leg. And then he just did it. it was absurd, wasn't it? Yeah, he exclusively played that shot. It was like a challenge video.
2: was in like, I'm... Adia sent a screenshot from uh, Crick was like wagon wheel. And obviously it's split into eight, isn't it? And there was zero runs scored through mid-wicket. And I like, in an innings of 61 off 25, anyone else plays that innings, I guarantee 20, 25, 30 runs have come from bombs over mid-wicket. You know, sweeping the spinners, um, just hacking it to Cal Corner. Instead, he's got 25, 30 runs, just scooping to the point where, niche reference, but like, on Getty Images, there's almost a whole page of him just exclusively playing the scoop shot. It's impossible to know which one's which. The last one was like, up there with one of the most insane shots I've ever seen. Like beyond belief that he even tried it and then to pull it off and not like scoop it into his own face and the fact that it went for six as well, um, he's just an incredible player. Second player to score a thousand runs in a calendar year should be said. He's done that like much much quicker than Rizwan. The only reason he's not got more is that he bats in the middle of the order and not up top. Yeah, he's just insane. And I'm uh, I'm intrigued to see what England tried to him on uh, on Thursday because Zimbabwe went with full and wide, didn't they? And he, he put that away and then he went straight and then he put that away as well. And he, he bats really well against high pace. So there's there's no way through him, I don't think, really.
1: I was saying, I, I feel like I say this to Ben quite a lot, but like something I love is, it's like, and what Yadav was doing today, it's like, it's like bowler independent batting. It's like, I just don't care where you're going to bowl. I've already decided where I'm going to hit this ball. And Zimbabwe, just like in that last over, for a moment, they, they fixed it. I think you get so used to seeing the cricket pitch and you're used to the shapes of the fielders and the patterns. And I just remember looking out, I was like, what is this field? Like they've lost the plot. Like it was the worst field I've ever seen. I can't, I wouldn't be able to tell you where people were because they were just hopping about and they just didn't know what to do. So I was saying, we, we're bowling this guy outside the wide line. We're bowling no-. One of the guys did bowl a no-ball he missed the cut strip with a beamer so far so far outside of stump. They're trying to bowl it so far outside of off and he's walking across and like paddle scooping it, sweeping it over fine leg. And it's just, it's just it's just not possible. It shouldn't be possible. And yet he was doing it with regularity. And when he wasn't uh, scooping it over fine leg, he was playing like the Orthodox drives over cover for six as well. And um, no, it was it was special. It was a really, really special thing to, to see and kind of get the hype basically.
0: Mm. Uh, we should have a piece from Chris Ben Jones uh, early next week on how England attempt to keep him quiet, because uh, that that will be the one semi-final India v East Africa, uh, India v England, and uh, the other semi-final is New Zealand uh, Pakistan. So it could be all set for a India Pakistan final. We do, we've ha- have had one question in from Cat uh, Knight who asks who is your money on to reach the final? Dan, uh, I'd like to say England, but I just don't. I think India are they're, they're coming together at the right
2: time. Um, I can see a scenario where England if England back second, I don't think I'm not very confident. Um, especially after yesterday, I can see the scenario where Ashdeep Singh blows off hails or Butler's pad straight up, and then you know we don't know what's going to go on Milan. Anything could happen. Um, but yeah, I, I fancy India, and then I you know I probably fancy Pakistan as well, maybe for narrative, um, uh, maybe sensibly, I don't know the Nawaz redemption story. Don't care about any other facts or
1: reason. Pakistan all the way. Going to win the competition.
0: Fair enough. Um, well, we will have a full semi-finals preview pod on Tuesday, so make sure to check that out. Um, but yeah, thanks, Cam. Thanks, Dan, for for joining the show. Uh, and if you did enjoy listening, please leave us a nice, maybe even a five-star review on the app your choice. Podcast
2: Network.